Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Recently, I was reading a very familiar story, one that most of you, if you've read the Bible much, you're familiar with. It's recorded in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. How many would agree with me that the circumstances of this guy was not that great? His situation was not that great. His circumstances were were bad. I mean, he was born a cripple and his life had been totally of being taken to the gate beautiful, the main entrance to the temple every day, begging so that he could live. That was his circumstance. That was his situation. And if we go on and read, it says, seeing Peter and John about going into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Now, that's the key element of faith right there. Expecting to receive. Let me say it again. Expecting to receive. But Peter said, I have no gold or silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And the next verse says, while he clung to Peter and John. I don't know that I'd ever noticed that. While he held on to them in appreciation and thanksgiving, while he clung to them, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them to the, in the portico called Solomon's. Now, I'd read this scripture before, Many times, but it seemed like I had a strong, strong impression at that reading that the circumstances that that man was in was not good. His situation was not good. But those circumstances influenced a great, great miracle. My thought today is, do we live under circumstances or are we living for a divine appointment? This man, this far in his life, we know nothing about his home life. We know nothing about him except he had been born a cripple. And I'm sure that 
he would tell you that my circumstances are not good. My situation is not good. But I was reminded as I read this story that our God is a God over everything, even circumstances, even situations. Now, I know some of you would ask the question, well, what is a circumstance? Well, I I looked it up. I always like to look things up because, you know, uh, I don't know that much on my own. I have to ask somebody else. You know, I used to have to just ask my wife. Now I can ask Google, but they don't know as much as my wife does. (laughs) But what is a circumstance? The definition is an event or fact that cause or helps to cause something to happen. Now, let me read that again. A circumstance is an event or fact that causes or helps to cause something to happen. Now, the dictionary added another little statement. It adds typically something undesirable. And, you know, that's the way it is when we live our life condemned and surrounded by circumstances. And our circumstances can get us down. And like the, the definition says, that circumstances often are caused something typically undesirable. But now the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that God has the ability to turn anything into something good. God has the ability to turn the circumstances into a miracle. Now, that brings us to another word, coincidence. What a coincidence. Now, a lot of people use that all the time. I almost never use that word. I use it today for sake of my message, but I do not think there's many coincidences in the world. I believe that God tells me that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of God. So if it happens, then it's not a coincidence. It's God lining me up for a divine appointment. And sometimes, how many knows that those coincidences or those circumstances, those situations are not always pretty? This man did not have a pretty situation. He was a cripple. But God had him set up for a divine appointment. And so that coincidence is a Latin word which means a remarkable concurrence of events or circumstances without apparent casual connection. Now, I have been serving the Lord a long time, and I can tell you many, many, many times as I go through life and as I've gone through life, there were circumstances, there were situations that did not appear to have any influence on me. Where did it come from? Have any of you had that? But then all of a sudden, you realize that God turns that circumstance into a divine appointment. Have you ever worried about your circumstances? If you're honest, most of us say, yeah. I mean, listen, I remember what one elderly pastor said to me one time. He said, you know, we asked God to teach us to pray. He said, you get hungry enough, you learn how to pray. 
You get desperate enough, you know how to pray. But sometimes the coincidences in our life that seem to have no apparent connection. And when, when you look back, that song that said, look what the Lord has done. That situation, God did this. This man that had never walked was looking for a, a coin, looking for a penance. But what he was looking for in the midst of his circumstances, God turned in to a divine appointment. I think of the words of that great song by Michael W. Smith, where it says, even when I don't see it, you're working. He's the way maker. He's the promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. This man was a cripple, laid at the entrance of the gate at the temple every day, begging for alms. What an awful set of circumstances. Now, I know Lee mentioned it, that every person that Jesus touched, he healed. Why didn't he heal this man? He was crippled. Jesus walked by that gate numerous times because that's the main entrance to the temple. And if he went there every day, if Jesus ever went to the temple, he walked by him. Can I suggest to you that just possibly that God had those circumstances well aware of it, but he had something better in mind. See, Jesus could have healed him. How many think Jesus could have healed him? Amen. They could have healed him. But how many knows if Jesus healed him, it would just been another healing? Sometimes we wonder why God delays. It could be because God is setting up a divine appointment. Because, see, this was right at the beginning of the church age. This was the start of a revival. This was a, something that impacted everybody there. It says that many believed because Jesus did not touch this man while he was walking by. He was waiting for a divine appointment so he could be healed at that time. Now, I thought it was really neat when I looked up the name of that gate, it was translated beautiful. But the Greek word is Horatio, H-O-R-A-I-O-S, which means that which is seasonable, produced at the right time. Now, to me, that doesn't really fit it. But when you begin to realize how God is so doing beautiful things, because what does God do? He shows up at the right time. He does at the right time, at the right situation. He has the ability to turn any circumstance, circumstance, he said, into good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. My mind traveled to another story, which happened a short time later. And I really intended to read the full passage, but for sake of time, I won't. But it's in... Chapter 10 of the book of Acts. And as I read part of it, I want you to note something. I want you to note the commands of God. 
the commands of God. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. Let me just tell you, this man was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. But he was a believing Gentile. You see, what did he believe? He just believed in God. He didn't know really what he believed. He didn't understand it all, but he believed in God. And he says he gave a devout man who feared God with all of his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. That was his circumstance. He was in the uh, centurion. He was in the military. And somehow he came in contact with the belief of God, and he believed it, and he gave alms. And it says, at about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror. Scared him. He said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. His lodging with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed... He called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those attending him. He called on his most dependable selected people. And he says, and having related everything to them, he told them this about the vision. He sent them to Joppa. And the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheep, sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air, those animals that were unclean, animals that Jews did not eat. And there came a voice to him. Now this is written in red. And he recognized that voice. And the voice said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter says, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times. Three times. That makes me feel so good. I'm not the only slow learner in the bunch. <laughs> it had to tell him three times. Peter, rise up and eat, because what God has made clean cannot be declared unclean. Now, for us, that doesn't mean a whole lot. Because, see, we've grown up eating foods, most of us have, because there's nothing unclean. We can eat what we want to. But to the Jew, there was a list of foods that you did not touch. You could not touch it at all. You did not eat it. And here they were coming down, and he was hungry. You know, there's some things you don't do when somebody's hungry. You don't put down food in front of them, even if it's unclean. You know, I mean, if, it, if you know, the five-second rule, it becomes a 10-minute rule if you're hungry enough. <laughs> Let down food. And this went against everything that Peter had ever been taught. Because he was a good Jewish boy. It went against tradition. It went against his religion. It went against his family. It went against everything. 
And he couldn't understand it. And it says, and while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation. For I have sent them. Now who's telling this? Jesus. He says, I sent them. In other words, listen, Peter, I'm going to use you because there's a guy down the road that's under some circumstances that he can't understand. He's in a situation that's not good, and he's been praying and seeking God, but he hasn't been contacted, and you are going to be the one to take in the message about Jesus. God was ready to do a divine appointment. He was ready to change those circumstances into a divine appointment. Guess what? Peter didn't see that coming. Cornelius didn't see that happening. Someone was putting all the circumstances and all the coincidences together. And turning them into a divine appointment. Who do you think might have been doing that? I said, who do you think might have been turning those coincidences, those circumstances into a divine appointment? I know some of you say, well, pastor, that was Peter and that was Cornelius. I'm not as spiritual as they are. I'm not that faithful. I'm not. Listen, God has the ability to turn every one of our situations, every one of our circumstances into a divine appointment. Peter didn't see it coming, but the God of all circumstances was at work and they didn't even realize it. They said, what a coincidence. But God said, I have a divine appointment. I know if I went around the room today and ask some of you that's been serving the Lord for a long time, you'd say, oh, pastor, I can relate because I went through some bad times. The circumstances were not good. The situation was bleak, but somehow God turned all those things into good. And I look back and say, God had a divine appointment. The God of all circumstances. I will not go in detail about the story of David since I've mentioned him so much lately. But let me remind you of his circumstances. His family had basically cast him out. He was of no importance to his family. He just wasn't that kept the sheep. He wasn't even invited to the get-together. He had to take care of sheep. His circumstances was not good. I said, his circumstances were not good. He didn't even get invited to the party initially. But can I remind you that the circumstances that he had out there tending those sheep, I believe that's where he wrote some of the Psalms. That's where he practiced some of his music. That's where he practiced on that sling. Because God was putting all those circumstances, all of those circumstances and all those situations, he was putting them in place because he had a divine appointment that this young man 
was going to be the champion of Israel. That this young man was going to become king of Israel. Even though the situation, even though the circumstances did not look good, God of the circumstances was at work. Let me remind you of another set of circumstances. It did not look good for the nation of Israel. They had been slaves for a number of years. They had been taken away into Babylon. And this was after the temple had been rebuilt or the Jerusalem had been rebuilt. This was a good period of time, but they were still in slaves. And the circumstances didn't look good. The situation is they were in bondage. But there was a young lady by the name of Esther that didn't even let people know that she was a Jew. Now you need to read the story if you didn't, don't realize that. They hid the fact that they were Jews because Jews were endangered. That was the circumstances that she lived in. It looked bleak. But what kind of coincidence fell in place? We don't have time to go in that whole story. But I'm going to tell you, there was a lot of things that happened. A lot of things happened to get put in place because God had a divine appointment. God had a divine appointment. As I mentioned, they were not even representing themselves as Jews. Because if they were found out they were Jews, they were going to be killed. Now, somebody say, I don't know about that, but let's see what the book says. Esther chapter 3, verse 12. And they told Mordecai, or excuse me, that's the wrong one, chapter 3, verse 12. Then the king's scribes were summoned on the 13th day of the first month. Now, we would say 13th day of January. Now, I know it's not the same calendar, but just so you understand. And an edict, according to all that Haman commanded, was written to the king's satraps and to the governors all over the provinces and to the officials of all the people, to every province in its own script and every people in its own language. It was written in the name of King Arzerxes and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instructions to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the 13th day of the 12th month. So again, if we say it, then January, they were told on the 13th day, but then on the 13th day of December, all of the Jews were going to die. And a copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province by proclamation to all the people to be ready that day. Their couriers went out hurriedly by order of the king. And the decree was issued in Susa, the citadel. That was a winter home. That was where the palace was. And the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city was, of Susa was thrown into confusion. That was the circumstances. They had a death sentence on all the Jews... They even had the execution date set. That was the circumstances. That was the situation. That was the coincidence. Didn't look good. 
It didn't look good. And we find in chapter 4, verse 11, where it says, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if a man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there's but one law to be put to death. This was Esther explaining to Mordecai that it was dangerous to do what he had asked her to do. Except the one to whom the king holds out this golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I've not been called to come to the king these 30 days. And they told Mordecai what Esther said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Now Mordecai, remember, he'd been a slave all of his life. They'd been there a long time now. He knew nothing else but being a slave, but he had faith. He had some great, great faith. And he said, do not think yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. Now, now you say, that's not faith. No, he was just being honest with her. He said, if you think that you're going to escape just because you're in the king's palace, when they find that you're Jew, you're dead meat. He says, for if you keep silent this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place. See, that's what I meant about having faith. He said, because I know the God of over all circumstances. I know the God of all situations. I know the God that works all things together for good. And Esther, I know that you're in place and you may be the one, but if you choose not to, if you don't, God's still going to be God. God's still going to raise up a deliverer. Friends, that's faith because the circumstances did not look good. Esther was his greatest hope. Esther was his greatest hope. And Esther said, I don't know if I can do what you're asking me to do. I'm willing to try, but I don't know that. And he says, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther, who's to say? But God put all those circumstances, all those situations, all those things, put those dominoes in place. So when God touches them, they'll all fall down. Who's to say? But God has got a divine appointment. And then Esther said, go gather all the Jews we found. Now said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stick my neck out. I'm going to be obedient because I know that God is able to do what he said he would do. Now let's go over to the book, chapter 8, verse 9. Because Esther went and met with the king. She told him Haman's agreement. The king could not reverse his orders. Now, you know, that wouldn't work today. I, I, I read a, a comic the other day that asked this question. Mama... Do all fairy tales start with once upon a time? Said, no, sometimes they start with when I'm elected, I will. <laughs> but see, in this days, this edict could not be changed. It was written. You have permission to kill all the Jews. So how were they going to? handle it. 
But the king's scribes were summoned at that time in the third month, which is the month of seven on the third, 23rd day. Remember it said in January, they were going to do it in December. But in March, became a new edict. An edict was written according to all that Mordecai commanded concerning the Jews to the satraps and the governors and the officials of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces to each province in its own script and to each people in its own language and also to the Jews in their script and their language. And he wrote in the name of King Artaxerxes and sealed it with his king's signet ring. Then he sent the letters by mounted couriers riding on swift horses that were used in the king's service, bred from the royal stud, that the king allowed the Jews who were in every city to gather and to defend themselves. Why was he saying, okay, you can arm the Jews because they have the right to defend themselves. And when that happened, guess what? People began to flock to the Jews because they realized that the Jews had been given a divine appointment by this man, this over, or by this God, this over all circumstances. He said, you got the privilege of fighting and standing up and defending yourself. I don't have time to read it all. But the reality was when the circumstances looked very, very bleak, when it looked like there was no way out, God had a divine appointment for a young girl that had become queen, but to deliver the nation of Israel. And if you study Jewish history, and you'll know that the last feast that they celebrate, see, this took place right before the New Testament. And now there's a Jewish feast they still celebrate today. It's called Purim. And you know where the Purim comes from? Comes from the word pur. Because that's what they did. They cast lots to find out which day they was going to be destroyed. But God turned those circumstances into a divine appointment. Now some of you are saying, well, pastor, what does that have to do with us today? And that's a good question. But since Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever... And since his love for us is not diminished, and since God is still a God over all circumstances, guess what? That means we can trust him. In whatever circumstance you're in, in whatever situation you're in, you can put your faith and trust in God. Well, pastor, you don't know how bad it is. You don't understand what I'm going through. Let me just read a few verses, the book of Habakkuk. I hear my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade me. Though the fig tree should not blossom. Nor fruits be on the vines. The produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no more food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Now, what does that tell you? That means the circumstances is bad. Circumstances is bad. And I can tell you folks, some of you are going through some difficult times, but compared to many places in the world today, 
We've got it easy. The poorest person here in our area is richer than 95% of the world. God has blessed us. But even if you're going through a circumstance and your fig tree's not blooming, you don't have any grapes on your vines, your cupboard's bare, you don't have a sheep to kill, you don't have anything in your stalls, what do you do? You remind yourselves that the God that is over circumstances, over situations, is still in control. The next two verses says, even if it looks bad, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's and he makes me tread on my high places. He says, I'm not gonna be looking at all the circumstances. I'm not gonna be looking at all the issues going on around me. I'm not gonna be looking and spending all my time looking at my portfolio. I'm not gonna spend all my time looking at the stock market. I'm not gonna spend all my time looking at all the negativity because those circumstances can just be an opportunity that God is making a divine provision to work on your behalf. God is a God over your circumstances and he's desiring to work in your life. I reread a story recently. Actually, I've read it two or three times, but in 1945, a baby was born to a minister's couple. They were pastoring in Milton, Florida. You know where that is. And when he was real young, there was a polio epidemic that went through the area. Some of you may be old enough to remember when that polio epidemic swept through the United States. And he had all the symptoms of polio as a young child. Many people were dying from polio. Many people were crippled from polio. And he had all the symptoms and he was taken to the doctor. And the doctor said, bring him back Monday and we'll run some tests. Well, over the weekend, he went to church and was prayed for, and God healed him of whatever it was. But during that time, there was a family of seven, family of seven, lived in a two-bedroom, one-bath home. Now, some of you can't even imagine that. I know I was one of seven that we lived in a three-bedroom. We had five boys in one bedroom, and that was real cozy. One bathroom, no hot water heater. So we, we roughed it. But this guy had seven in a two-bedroom, one-bath home. And as was common in that day, his dad was pastor, so whenever anybody would come by, an evangelist or fellow pastor or missionary, they spent the night with the preacher. And so they often had guests that were missionaries. And when this young man was 12 years old, a guy by the name of Charles Greenaway came through his church and told the story about a young man that was 12 years old and a missionary came to his church. And he didn't have any money when they took the missions offering. So he took the offering plate. You remember the offering plates? That was before the bags. 
and that was before COVID. But he took the offering plate and laid it on the floor and stood in it and said, God, I don't have any money, but I give you myself. Well, the man this I'm telling this story about had the same thing happen to him. Missionary came by and he wanted to give something. He didn't have any money. So he took that offering plate, put it on the floor and stood in it and said, God, I give you myself. That's when he's 12 years old. That young man started preaching at 15. And since that time, he has helped plant over 2,000 churches. He's helped build 100 Bible schools. And maybe his greatest accomplishment is something that you've given to recently. David and Beth Grant started the Project Rescue, rescuing thousands of ladies from sexual abuse. All started in a situation that didn't look real good. Seven people in a two-bedroom house. He wanted to give in the offering, but he couldn't. But he was willing to say, God, I'm willing. Some would say that David had some difficult circumstances. But I think David Grant, who is a good friend of mine, would tell you God just had some divine appointments. Because he has the ability to take your appointment, your circumstances. And, and I'll be the first to admit, I know some of you have got it rough. I have been so blessed. Well, I talk about being poor and talking about some things, but compared to most people, I have been so blessed. I'm glad I learned how to work. I'm glad that I've had a strong disciplinarian for a father. But compared to many people, I've had it good. And I can tell you, nothing in the way of David Grant, nothing in the way of Esther or David, but I can tell you, I can look back on my life. And I can tell you, there were some times that the circumstances didn't look good. The situation didn't look good. But I can tell you that whenever I talk about a circumstance, I don't say I had a circumstance that was going to bring about something bad. I tell you that God had a circumstance that was going to bring about a divine appointment because my God is able to turn my circumstances into blessings. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. We sensed your presence from the very first song in our time of worship. And God, I, I know that there's some people here today that are going through some circumstances. Some are having to take care of relatives that are sick. Some are struggling financially. Some have family issues. The circumstances in many today, if we look at those circumstances, would look bleak. 
But God, help us to look at them as you've got some divine appointments planned. And maybe today is the day that that person is broken. Maybe not crippled like the man that was in the Bible in Acts, but he's broken internally, broken mentally, emotionally. But today is the day that you speak to his heart, speak to her heart, speak to her life, because it's time for a divine appointment. So, Father, we submit this closing part of this service to you and ask you to show yourself mighty, show yourself strong, touch our hearts and lives, and change the situations and turn them into a divine appointment. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.